Welcome to Discoculia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Discoculia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Discoculia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. This is our podcast for week 40 in 2015. We're happy, as always, to welcome back Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Discoculia Services, to help us get some perspectives on the headline links from this week. Welcome, Dr. Schroeder. Always great to be here. Yeah, the first link this week goes to the University of Oxford and their Department of Experimental Psychology, where they're working on understanding what causes Discoculia. What are they exactly doing out there? The Department of Experimental Psychology at Oxford is leading the EU-funded Learning and Achievement Project, a long-term study which is first looking at healthy subjects and using MRI scans as part of this effort to find out how our brains process numbers and how that mathematical ability fits in with other cognitive abilities. The researchers know that the brain's ability to process numbers does not exist separately from other functions. Mm -hmm. So they want to see how numerical information connects with other cognitive abilities and vice versa. In parallel with that research project, whose results will not be clear for some time, Mm -hmm. the Cohen Kadosh lab is taking a more practical short-term approach, working with schools and parents to carry out cognitive training with children who have dyscalculia, helping them find ways to work with their condition. This is the same group that we discussed last week, where they were involved in engaging the brain with electrical stimuli. This is another part of their research and part of the European Community-funded project. Okay, and and do they already have any uh, results to reveal to us? No, the study is just starting up. In this study, they will use magnetic resonance imaging to collect information relating to the structure, function, and composition of the brain. This study will allow them to measure how the brain develops efficient networks for processing numbers and how these networks change with development. They will be working with several hundred children, adolescents and adults, over several years to track brain development and mathematical cognition. Well, it sounds like a great use of the European tax money. Uh, Thanks for that explanation. Our next link shows a clip from the site isitnormal.com and somebody is asking if it's normal to help their child tie tie shoelaces. Uh, And that child is 17 years of age. Well, how about that? Yeah, the isitnormal.com site is a community of people asking each other questions. Mm, Yes. And as much as I see how valuable it is to know you and your child is not the only one with a specific problem and that people can help each other with uh, well-intended suggestions, the issue with sites like this is that um, you never know exactly where the answers come from. Right, might be your neighbor. People should be encouraged to go and seek advice and counseling from trained and learned professionals instead of relying on such a site like this. Having said that, there are many reasons why someone of that age could not be able to tie their shoes. Mm -hmm. None of these reasons will be good, so much we can say. Many people with dyscalculia also have problems with figuring out left and right and with short-term memory. It could be very well that this individual has dyscalculia or dyspraxia. Mm -hmm. And so my recommendation would be to start with our screener on our website, Dyscalculia Services. And depending on the outcome, seek further advice 
Okay. One thing's for sure, it's not normal not to be able to tie sure your shoes at age 17. And right. it's also not normal to ignore this and not seek help. Right, that's a very good advice. Thank you for that. The, uh, the following link is a link to the Mental Floss website. And they're telling us some interesting facts about dyscalculia. Shall we, shall we go over them together and share them with our listeners? Uh, yes, let's see what they're telling us. Well, first they make the point about who coined the term dyscalculia. Mm -hmm. And this is believed to be done in the 40s. And it was named the Gerstmann syndrome. Okay. Later, in 1974, the Czechoslovakian researcher Kosk writes about it. And that becomes the first better-known use of the term. Okay. Although most of the research has only begun in the 1990s, hence the fact that not many people have heard about it right, yet. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's not that known, hence this podcast to uh, raise the awareness of dyscalculia. Um, and after that, they make the point about there being two types of dyscalculia. Yes, they make a distinction between developmental dyscalculia mm -hmm. that you ha you're born with, and acquired dyscalculia that you have contracted later due to a stroke or, or other head injury. Okay. The Dyscalculia Center in the UK published articles in the Send magazine, and they make a much finer distinction of dyscalculia in five forms. Okay. Type 1, dyscalculics report significant worries about math. As a result, they feel themselves living in an alien world in which everyone else grasps math, but they can't. They cannot. Mm -hmm. Type 2, dyscalculics also experience this deep concern, but have found strategies for understanding and coping with basic math. Mm -hmm. Yet they feel that they don't have the automatic grasp that others have, and often take twice as much time, or even more, to do a math problem as a non-dyscalculic person. Type 3 students have a profound difficulty in comprehending and dealing with the concept of time. Sometimes this issue appears on its own and sometimes in combination with other types. Okay. Type 4 dyscalculics might not always be dyscalculic in a genetic sense, although they display many of the symptoms of dyscalculic pupil, uh, because they have short-term and long-term memory problems. Okay. And type 5 tend not to see numbers as in any way related... That's like the worst kind. Yes, to the real world. Right. In one sense, most of us have this problem. After all, what is six? We, right. we know what six sheep are, but six on its own is close to meaningless. For such people, math can be learned automatically, but when it gets to issues such as fractions, decimals, and percentages, then... Life really gets difficult. <laughs> Things get complicated. Okay. Well, this yeah. is actually more of a classification, and students mm -hmm. may show signs of several subtypes. Okay. And from my own experience, almost all students I work with show a combination, if not all of these, and the personal differences are in where the emphasis lie. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's more of a classification that uh, distinction in five types. Okay, the, uh, the next presented fact here says struggling with matrices in algebra or flunking calculus in college does not usually mean that you have dyscalculia. Indeed, this disability tends to impede your most basic math skills. Okay. Somebody who has dyscalculia will struggle with the most basic uh, arithmetic facts, like uh, 5 and 2 is 7. Okay. 
Later, problems in college with calculus can have lots of other origins, and it could stem from dyscalculia, but that is not necessarily the only reason for failing your calculus course. Right, right. Okay, the next fact says that uh, dyscalculia may be rooted in the brain's uh, parietal lobe. So, yes, what exactly yes. is that? Indeed, dyscalculia is an underactivation in interparietal circus, IPS, bilaterally, and an overactivation as compensation in non-primarily number-oriented areas. In fact, uh, there are three main centers in the brain that need to work together. Okay. The part where you see a number of objects, right. the most important number sense center, is a brain region where you perceive the threeness of a group, where subitizing takes place and estimating the size of a group or comparing two groups. Okay. And that over time develops an internal number line. Okay. Next, the part where you hear and store the number words. And last, the center where you see the visual representation of the number. Dyscalculia exists when the number sense center doesn't work properly or when these centers are not connected to work together. Okay. Well, at some stage we need to start adding video to this podcast so uh, we can actually show some slides with uh, <laughs> complicated explanations like this. The, uh, the fifth fact tells us that researchers have been able to induce uh, dyscalculia in patients. Is that right? Mm -hmm. In um, 2007, a group of researchers at University College London were able to engender temporary dyscalculia in people who don't have the disorder by using transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. Oh, wow. Originally, this method was used to stimulate nerve cells uh, to treat people with uh, depression. And it probably works as the changing magnetic field induces an electric current. Well, let's hope that it was only a temporary effect uh, for the, uh, the people participating in that study. The next fact tells us that uh, dyscalculia may manifest itself in different ways. I guess you just uh, explained that uh, just now. And then the next fact after that says that dyscalculia is represented in pop culture. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, what do you know about that? Uh, well, not that much personally, but I know many celebrities talk about their dyslexia. That's right. But only seldom do you hear well-known people talk about their dyscalculia. And they name some here, but I'm not even familiar with these people. Like Liberty Van Zandt from a Canadian teen drama show. No, and a character from the X-Men named Jubilee. I'm not familiar with that person. Sorry, but <laughs> I, I don't know, know them. I, I hope the listeners will recognize the names and right. feel encouraged that they are certainly not alone with their dyscalculia. Okay, and then in the aftermath there, they, they state that uh, the fact that dyscalculia is gentle neutral. Is that right? Well, not much research has been done yet. So far, we can conclude that there is not much difference to see between boys and girls. Other than with dyslexia, where boys are more prone to have the disability than girls. But remember also, remember also that boys have a slightly higher tendency to act out in class, which alerts teachers to ask for an evaluation. So they also may get identified more often. Oh, okay, so that might be the reason. Now, then the next uh, point that they make is that some groups uh, are at greater risk of dyscalculia than others. Certainly, that, that's the way we have discovered it 
in the first place like people with Turner syndrome epilepsy fragile X syndrome are definitely more likely to have dyscalculia and also when you have ADHD or were born prematurely although um, very interestingly there is recent research that tells us that the problems with math that children who are born prematurely have is actually slightly different from dyscalculia so that in fact may need revision in a while after the research has been confirmed. Okay, so we're waiting for the outcomes of that uh, research. Well, then we're at the last point, and uh, there it tells us that uh, dyscalculia is difficult to diagnose and that there is no cure for dyscalculia. Indeed. It, uh, it takes various tests to confirm a dyscalculia diagnosis. But although there isn't an actual cure known, dyscalculic pu pupil can uh, learn to do math. Early detection is key in helping children to cope with dyscalculia. Right. Specialized tier 3 intervention, as they call it in the US, can guide the children into understanding most concepts and work with those concepts. It takes time, but it, it certainly can be done. It can be done. Well, thank you very much. Well, that was a lot of uh, information in a short time. Uh, we are talking to Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Dyscalculia Services, and we're looking at the links provided during the week on our website, dyscalculiaheadlines.com. The next link goes to the Math Geek Mama's free printables. Is, is that a good resource for Discoculia? Well, Math Geek Mama is the site from a lady named Bethany, uh, who used to be a math teacher okay. and is now a homeschooling parent. And her aim with her website is to help teachers and homeschooling parents with as much as possible free resources. Mm -hmm. The manipulatives on her website can absolutely be used with children who have Discoculia, although they are not specifically designed for it. Well, th this is maybe a good moment to also highlight that people can find free downloadable resources on my website, discoculiaservices.com. Most of these are either designed by me with the discoculic child in mind or adaptations of existing resources for discoculia. Okay. Well, then the last link for the week is about uh, research done at uh, Stanford with one-on-one uh, -on -one tutoring and the impact it has on the brain and math performance. What have they figured out there? This research is a follow-up from other research done by the same group at Stanford, at the Stanford Math Brain Project. Okay. The first research confirmed that one-on-one -on -one tutoring reduces anxiety for math in children. This study was more elaborate and specifically focused on the brain uh, functionality. Okay. 30 children in third grade received eight weeks of one-on-one -on -one tutoring in basic arithmetic skills. Mm -hmm. Half of the kids had math learning disabilities and half did not. Mm -hmm. The instructors adjusted the, se the session's pace and emphasis individually for each child, helping students pass bottlenecks in their learning without making them feel like they might be falling behind their peers. Okay. And all of the children got MRI brain scans before and after tutoring. That's a pretty elaborate setup, that study. Mm -hmm. Before tutoring began, the kids with math learning disabilities had abnormal function in a network of brain areas involved in solving uh, numerical problems, including the prefrontal, parietal, and ventral temporal occipital areas. Kids without math learning disabilities did not show these problems. After okay. tutoring, the differences between the two groups' brain scans disappeared. The children's math performance also improved in sync with the brain changes. Oh, wow. And this also means that one-on-one -on -one tutoring 
fixes the issue at the core of the problem and is to be preferred over providing tools to go around the issues and avoid the problem. Oh, well. Well, that sounds as a ringing endorsement of your preferred way of tutoring and one of your golden rules. That's, thank you. That's very interesting. Now, on October the 1st, the Understood organization held a whole day of sharing knowledge and answering questions by 50 experts over social media. Of course, Discoculia headlines participated, and we asked them a question, and we got a response, and I just want to run that by you. Uh, so our question was, we get lots of questions about working memory, what would be the best app to train working memory, and also, is the gain from training working memory with an app transferable to other skills or just to the challenge presented in the app? And then uh, it took, uh, took an hour or so, and then we got the, uh, the response from Understood, uh, and they're saying, thank you for the question. You know, I have been party to a number of discussions where educators, parents and individuals are seeking train-the-brain type of applications. This makes sense as we are learning more and more about the brain and ways uh, in which we learn. However, I'd be cautious, and this is the people from Understood uh, talking, I'd be cautious on some of these train-the-brain applications in that there is limited evidence out there that confirms such apps and or interventions are effective. Yes, there are learning strategies that support the learning process, but not sure what I'd suggest would train the brain. The most popular tool is Lumosity, and then they provide me with a link as well. But then again, they continue and they say, but again, proceed with caution. This is an area where it sounds too good to be true. It probably is. And then signed by Sean, and I'm not familiar with that individual. So, so what do you say about that, Dr. Schroeder? Well, I can agree with the hesitation from Understood to endorse the brain training functionality apps. As we discussed just now, training the brain is important, but the one-on-one -on -one tutoring has been confirmed by research in Stanford to be effective for improving math performance, and the brain training in popular apps has not had that kind of effect yet. Correct. Well, thank you. Uh, we also watched uh, a video chat session after that uh, about Discoculia that was also in that 24-hour uh, access to experts offered by Understood. And a recording of that chat is available, uh, and I'll put the link in the, uh, in the show notes. As always, Dr. Schroeder, thank you for your insights. Dr. Schroeder is the founder of Discoculia Services. You can also follow her on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Free downloads and a free Discoculia screener are available on her website, discoculiaservices.com. Discoculia Headlines Weekly is a production from discoculiaheadlines.com. You can find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and we are on Twitter at discoculiahead. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Discoculia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.